Moses began to explain the law of God to the people, that is God's people. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are taking you through the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. And today we begin the book of Deuteronomy. Moses is talking. It is very interesting. We're going to talk about that in five minutes. Right now, Corey is here. So I'm going to be taking a look at the book of Deuteronomy as a whole today. Ryan? Today I'm continuing my study of the bronze serpent that we read about in Numbers 21. Oh, that's going to be really, really good, the bronze serpent. Okay, Janice, what are you talking about? Today my segment is No Turning Back. All right, very good, No Turning Back. And by the way, if you don't have your Bible guide, you can write to us or call us. We'll tell you about how to do that in a little bit. But in the meantime, let's open up our minds, open up our hearts, open up the Bible guide, but most importantly, the Bible, and let's listen to what God is saying to us right now. Deuteronomy 1, verses 1 through 14. These are the words which Moses spoke to all Israel on this side of the Jordan in the wilderness, in the plain opposite Suf, between Paran, Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, Dizahab. It is eleven days' journey from Horeb, by way of Mount Seir, to Kadesh Barnea. Now it came to pass in the fortieth year, in the eleventh month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spoke to the children of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him as commandments to them, after he had killed Sion king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon, and Og king of Bashan, who dwelt at Ashtaroth in Adriai. On this side of the Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses began to explain this law, saying, The Lord our God spoke to us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey, and go to the mountains of the Amorites, to all the neighboring places in the plain, in the mountains and in the lowland, in the south and on the sea coast." to the land of the Canaanites, and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them and their descendants after them. And I spoke to you at that time, saying, I alone am not able to bear you. The Lord your God has multiplied you, and here you are today as the stars of heaven in multitude. May the Lord God of your fathers make you a thousand times more numerous than you are, and bless you as he has promised you. How can I alone bear your problems and your burdens and your complaints? Choose wise, understanding, and knowledgeable men from among your tribes, and I will make them heads over you. And you answered me and said, The thing which you have told us to do is good. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. We enter the book of Deuteronomy today. It is really something, you know, Moses is talking to the people in Deuteronomy 1, 2, and 3 are the chapters we study. Now, Israel was no longer a simple family. They were actually a nation now. 
and their core principles had been laid out for them by God through Moses, similar to what we would call a, a constitution. Now in Deuteronomy, the people are getting ready to enter the land God had promised to their forefather Abraham hundreds of years earlier. At 120 years old, Moses was still leading Israel and was still full of energy and ability. Nevertheless, his end of life was drawing near. And the book of Deuteronomy, Moses reiterates the law of God, or the constitution for the new generation of Israel, and Israel is about to take over the land of promise. Now remember that it has been 40 years since the Israelites had been rescued from Egypt. 40 years. The Hebrew title for Deuteronomy is Hadabarim. That means the words taken from the opening phrase of Deuteronomy 1.1. It says, these are the words. Deuteronomy will not only reform the law for Canaan, but it will also record the last words and the acts of Moses. I mean, this is a fascinating book. It's, it's absolutely stunning. And uh, if you have your Bible guide, turn to Deuteronomy. This is amazing. Deuteronomy 1. And uh, if you don't have it, write for it or call. That's a faster way to get a hold of it or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Click on it and it'll take you to a passage where you can go to the donate. Thank you for your donations. And then go to the download file and download it. Uh, but this is really something. We're talking about setting up Israel, forming a nation. It's really interesting. Deuteronomy 1, 1 to 14. Now, Father, I pray today, a lot of people talk about the nations that have been set up a little over 200 years ago. But Father, I pray today that we would look at the nation set up thousands of years ago. We would understand that you have ways of doing things. And help us to take what we see here and speak to our heart, Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we all said together, amen and amen. Now, as we look at these scriptures, check this out. First verse of chapter one. These are the words which Moses spoke to all Israel on this side of the Jordan in the wilderness, in the plain opposite Sup between Paran, Tophel, Laban, Hazoroth, and Dizahab. It is 11 days' journey from Horeb by way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. Now, it came to pass in the 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spoke to the children of Israel according to all the Lord had given him as commandments to them. Commandments to them. After he had killed Sihon, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon, and Og, king of Basham, who dwelt at Ashtoreth in Edri. Now, this is important. Listen carefully. Moses communicated what God had spoken to him about. Israel and its future. God has given us everything we need to succeed for him. He's given everything we need to succeed for him, not for us, in his word. I want to tell you something. There's a lot of people that talk about success. I want to be a success. I want to be a success. I want to be a success. Hold on a minute. If you're a Christian, 
God has deemed you as somebody who's successful, but you have to accomplish his battles. He's won the war, but you have to work to accomplish his battles. And that's a totally different setting than my success, my success, my success. That is God's success. God's success. That's a totally different ballgame. So we need to hear that. And that's what he did in this particular passage of scripture. Now we go on to verse five and we learn even more. Here's what it says. On this side of the Jordan in the land of Moab, Moses began to explain this law saying, the Lord, our God spoke to us in Horeb saying, you have dwelt long enough at this mountain, turn and take your journey. Go to the mountains of the Amorites and to all of the neighboring places in the plain, in the mountains and in the lowland, in the south and on the seacoast, to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land with the Lord your God, swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them and their descendants after them. Complete the work. Moses began to explain the law of God to the people. The Lord speaks to us through his word. We must read it on a regular basis. Read it on a regular basis. Understand it, hear it, listen on a regular basis. If we don't, we'll lose our structure and understanding what's right and what's wrong in the whole business. Beloved, if we keep the word of God close to us, then that, that changes everything. We need to pay attention to this because that's what God said when he was setting up this nation. He said, listen, this is what we, we're going to do. Here's my commandments. You need to keep these commandments. Doesn't matter what changes. Technology, doesn't matter. New stuff, doesn't matter. Internet, TV, all kinds of stuff, doesn't matter. We need to read the word of God. That's fascinating. Now let's go on because in verse nine, it says something even more. And I spoke to you at that time saying, I alone am not able to bear you. The Lord your God has multiplied you and here you are today as the stars of heaven in the multitude. Did you hear what he said? As the stars of heaven in the multitude. May the Lord God of your fathers make you a thousand times more numerous than you are and bless you as he has promised you. How can I alone bear your problems and your burdens and your complaints? Choose wise, understanding and knowledgeable men from among your tribes. And I will, I, God says, will make them heads over you. And you answered me and said, the things which you have told us to do is good. And that brings me to this point. Listen carefully. God used Moses to select leaders in Israel for the people. God used Moses to select leaders of people, leaders of people in Israel. Now, God calls teachers, preachers, and leaders for his kingdom. Let's pay attention to the Lord's instructions in the Bible. The Bible. 1 Timothy 3 talks about leaders. By the way, James says, don't seek to be a teacher because teachers have a stricter judgment. There's a reason for that, beloved. Teaching the word of God 
is teaching something that's divine. We need to understand this is important. So Father, help us today as we select leaders, teach us your way and show us your path, Lord, because we want people to do the right thing for us and for everybody. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study, and I know our assigned reading today is Deuteronomy chapters 1 to 3, but I want to pick up on my study from yesterday regarding the bronze serpent incident recorded in Numbers 21. And believe it or not, this event may be the key in understanding another later incident recorded in the book of 1 Samuel, in particular the capture and return of the Ark of the Covenant by the Philistines. Now, we will be getting to 1 Samuel in the, near, in the near future, but I want to take the time right now to look at it while we're still thinking about the bronze serpent. So check it out. In the time of the priest and prophet Samuel, Israel went to war with her mortal enemy, the Philistines, and suffered a horrible defeat. The Israelites, bewildered, said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. Although this plan at first seemed to backfire, since the Philistines ended up capturing the Ark, it ultimately did bring upon the Philistines a very great destruction, as the Lord's hand was heavy against them. In fact, the Lord brought upon them a plague of tumors and wraths so terrible that after only seven months, they ended up sending the ark back to Israel with a chest containing an offering of five golden tumors and five golden wraths in hopes that they would be healed from this dreadful plague. Interestingly, these golden replicas were likely talismanic figures made according to some occult laws of astrology. Such talismans were very ancient and were supposed to cure diseases and to ward off evils. In fact, it has been suggested that they originated in false views entertained by the Gentiles concerning the brazen serpent. The idea is that the Gentile astrologers had learned about the Israelites' encounter with the snakes and their subsequent healing by way of looking upon the bronze serpent and concluded that all sorts of evils might be remedied, providing corresponding images were made under proper astrological conditions. Whether this theory be correct or not, there is abundant evidence of the ancient prevalence of this superstition. In fact, it still exists in India. Talismans, generally of silver, are carried to the heathen temples. These images represent as nearly as may be the diseases or special troubles under which the offerers suffer. It is supposed that the gods will be favorable upon seeing them and give the sufferer the relief sought. Of course, such idols and images are utterly powerless, for there is only one god, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Israel, and only he has the power to heal our sicknesses. Unfortunately, the Israelites later went the way of the Gentiles and eventually began to worship the brazen serpent as an idol. Fortunately, the godly king Hezekiah had the image destroyed as a part of his reforms. We too, like Hezekiah, must recognize that only with God lies all authority and power. Uh... 
So the golden tumors in rats that the Philistines created may have been based upon a misunderstanding of Moses' bronze serpent. And this misunderstanding seems to have continued even into the present day in some places. And it's important to understand that it is a misunderstanding because there was no power in the image of the serpent. What God was doing here by having Moses raise up an image of a serpent on a pole was to show the Israelites that their enemy, the serpents, had been rendered powerless. They had been rendered powerless by God. See, in those times when a bitter enemy was killed, his head was severed from his body and put on a pole to show his utter defeat. Similarly, Jesus would be erected on a cross many years later to defeat sin and death so that we could look upon him and live. And because he arose, we will too. So make sure to look to Jesus. He is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Now, Jesus Christ, of course, is the son of fully, uh, fully son of God and fully man. And uh, they ended up worshiping this image afterwards. And that, that created a big problem for them. Exactly, which is why Hezekiah had to, you know, he did the right thing. And mm. that was very, very interesting. And uh, so we tend to worship objects that we see. Very interesting. Okay, Janice, or rather Corey. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to be taking a look at the book of Deuteronomy, kind of an overview of it, uh, you know, why it was written, um, who is believed to have authored it, uh, and some of the ins and outs of Deuteronomy, because a lot of this book is actually repetition from Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, but Deuteronomy is written for a very specific purpose, so let's take a look at it now. The Old Testament book of Deuteronomy is remembered as the fifth book of Moses. Its name comes from the Greek meaning second law. And while Deuteronomy is a kind of retelling of the Mosaic law, it's not an exact copy. It's better understood as an explanation of the Mosaic law to a new generation of Israelites about to enter the promised land. The author is focused on how the law should be applied once Israel is established in living in the land. While Deuteronomy presents itself as a series of speeches given by an aged Moses to this next generation, the general scholarly consensus is that it is a book compiled much later, around 622 BC, during the religious reforms of King Josiah. In this view, the theology of Deuteronomy is pitted against the earlier biblical books. It's claimed that it represents a radically different view of God. It is true that Deuteronomy emphasizes a more socially practical version of the law. For example, in its emphasis on protecting widows, orphans, and foreigners in the land. But this is also what one would expect if the law was moving from theoretical application in the wilderness into a settled city life post-conquest. It's widely accepted that later editing must have been done to the original text. There are references that require time to have passed since the actual events. There are third-person mentions of Moses and the account of his death in chapter 34. Interestingly, if Deuteronomy was used consistently in public ceremonies, as was in fact commanded in chapter 31, this would explain why later amendments were introduced. It's been discovered that the book as a whole mimics the literary structure of a Hittite vassal treaty. These treaties were made between a conquering king and his newly conquered people. This choice of structure says a lot about what the author was intending to communicate to the Israelites about God as their king. The structure also highlights the monotheistic bent of Israel. When witnesses are called, rather than the pagan version of calling other gods and goddesses, Deuteronomy calls the heavens and the earth themselves to testify against Israel. 
The vassal treaty structure may also provide some evidence for an earlier date of composition. The structure itself has an earlier and later form. Deuteronomy follows the decidedly earlier form structure that dates to the second millennium BC. Deuteronomy really does set up for us the next moment in Israel's history, which is, you know, moving from the time period of the wilderness wandering into the time period of the conquest where this, this nation of people is now going to take territory. They're going to establish themselves in an actual land, which looks completely different than being, uh, you know, a, a people who moves around all the time and, and isn't planting crops and, and things of that nature. So their society is a about to experience a shift, and we see that shift reflected in Deuteronomy, how it's written and what uh, the themes focus on really does make it very suitable for that generation of Israelites specifically. And it's interesting because when you read Deuteronomy, it's almost as if you're reading a constitution because it's very much legal documents or it mm -hmm. looks like it. And this is their constitution. And you Sort know, of, yeah, yeah. Moses is saying, mm -hmm. I want you to obey these commandments mm -hmm. from God. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's very interesting. Thank you, Corey. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Janice. Well, I titled my segment today, No Turning Back, because we're seeing the previous command to enter Canaan. Moses is going over what God had said. And what struck me was this key verse, Deuteronomy 1, verses 2 and 3. And it says, it is 11 days journey from Horeb by way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. Now it came to pass in the 40th year. So what should have taken Israel an 11 day journey took them 40 years of wandering in the desert, in the wilderness. And yet God's presence was with his people. He provided for them. He was faithful to teach them and bring them out of their culture of Egypt. And he does the same for us. He rescues us when we come to him in repentance, understanding what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross, giving his life, shedding his perfect blood to pay our debt for sin, and then rising from the dead on the third day, giving us the gift of eternal life. This is what God has done for us. He brings us then, when we commit our lives to follow him, he brings us out of the culture from which we have lived. Some of us have given our lives to the Lord when we were children. And then we have learned and grown up in the counsel of God. And some of us have waited until we're older in life. And it really is a rescue out of the ways that we're used to living, out of the culture and traditions that we have developed. And as we follow God, as we develop that relationship between ourselves and our Heavenly Father, we get into His Word, we get to know Him by prayer, and we learn to trust and depend upon Him, our shift, this shift comes within our own attitudes and within our own hearts. He does the same thing. As Israel wandered through that desert for 40 years, they had times of grumbling. They have times of discouragement. I wanted to encourage, you know, there's some of us out there today that might be feeling discouraged. You might be feeling like you're going around again, going around again. Don't be discouraged. Press into God. Continue to read his word. God is with you and God is faithful 
Even if you're going through difficult times, he's there with you and he will help you to get through those. You are not alone. And on the other side of that trouble, you will be stronger and you will be able to comfort others that will be going through something similar to what you have. God doesn't waste anything. So don't be discouraged. Continue to follow after God. Spend time with him in prayer. Spend time reading the Bible and getting it not just in your head, but letting it penetrate in your heart. Before you read, just pray and ask God's Holy Spirit to help you to to see it and to hear it in a new way. And the title of my segment, No Turning Back. Remember that song, Rod, that we used to do? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Don't turn back. Move forward in your relationship with God. The second verse says, though none go with me, still I will follow. The third verse, my cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. We carry a cross. There are things that happen in our lives that it's painful. But God carries us through and he will help us. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. And the last verse of that chorus says, the world behind me, the cross before me. We know that our hope, our hope is in Jesus Christ. Our hope and our knowledge is that he has saved us from our sins. And our hope is that we have eternal life. And those that have gone on before us, we will be joining them again someday, someday very soon. And that day, oh, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when I take him by the hand and leads me to the promised land, oh, what a day, what a glorious day that will be. The Roku box is excellent. It is a beautiful thing that takes the internet, puts it on your TV. If you get one, look up Bible Discovery Family and Friends. Bible Discovery Family and Friends. That's the name of our application on the Roku box. It's very good. We're on there and everything else. So make sure you do that. Today, let's pray. Lord, help me to do the things the way you have directed in your word. In Jesus' name, amen.